Okay, I'm turning the... We're now recording. The person was smoking a brand I'd never heard of, and they said, oh, no, this right. is very popular. It's called Next, N-E-X-T. What I was just saying to you, I, I don't think I can name, other than players right now, mm-hmm. a brand of cigarettes. To yeah. your point, because I'm not around anyone that smokes. Yeah. It, when we were kids, it was a lot like beer. There was only a few, and uh, when we were kids, guys smoked export. Yep. Or... Uh, some guys smoked Rothmans or players with filters, not dead ends. But that was it. And then later on came Vantage. A lot of my friends smoked the Vantage. Do you remember that? Is that the one with the target on it? No, no. Yeah. Vantage was the one that had the whole the the filter had. They did something to the filter. They mm-hmm. they had a, it had a circular insert or something, right? To make to make so smoking good for you. Well, that's what I was just telling you guys, because I, I was talking about smoking uh, menthol cigarettes. I only smoked menthol cigarettes when I wasn't feeling well. <laughs> we can't forget Demorier. Well, oh, yeah. I smoked Demorier for a while. My mother smoked... Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Thanks. My dad smoked um, Players, and then I later smoked Players Extra Light, you know. My, my dad smoked Buckingham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were, there, um, were there men and women cigarettes? I mean, I've yes. smoked in my family. Uh, women, the women's cigarettes were those thin ones. Hmm. Although my mom Benson smoked Benson and Rothmans. Hedges, maybe? What's that? My mom smoked Rothmans when I was a kid. Uh, Mrs. Waldman, my mother's friend, smoked... Uh, Craven, or was it number seven or Craven sevens or something? Number oh, number seven. Number seven. My, my Auntie Ora smoked number seven. So Mrs. Waldman smoked those. I know that because we stole them from her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, I got so into you crime. You smoking uh, at, uh, at your, uh, your prime hockey age there? Mm-hmm. I, it's funny. I was talking about playing peewee hockey yesterday, and I remember the first adult that ever caught me smoking was my bantam coach mr moore i think that was his name and he uh took me aside it was i was 13 years old i hear you're you know smoking this was the summer i was 13 and came back in the fall and i was like no no because i'd only had probably a handful of cigarettes by at that point by the time i went to high school though which was 14 or 15 i was smoking cigarettes pretty regularly didn't the coach say let me smell your fingers let me smell your fingers <laughs> I, can take a, I can say it ter- <laughs> so many ways. Yeah, so many. I remember. Terrible. I remember. I remember my mom saying. <laughs> I remember that was one of the tests. I remember my mom saying that to my brother. Let me smell your fingers. Then have yeah. you been smoking? This is before they turned yellow and cheesy. Right? <laughs> no, I'm just laughing. It's because it's like you know, like hockey coach saying to a kid, "Let me smell your fingers. Don't smell my fingers." <laughs> Hey, my when my mom would run out of or when my dad would run out of smokes and my mom had her Rothmans, he'd grab one of her Rothmans and rip off the filter. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, crazy time. All right, well, listen, this is just a little preamble. This whole thing, uh, you, you you can't imagine, folks, you can't imagine where this conversation started. Anyway, Dan Duran, quickly before we start, did you ever smoke? I don't. I've never seen you smoke cigarettes. No, did not even tried one. You know. Oh, uh, I remember trying one. Uh, because uh, a cool girl I knew smoked, and after I was an usher at a theater, and the, one of the candy girls, and all of us went out to Boston Pizza after the after the theater closed, and, yeah. and she smoked. I, so I tried. She knew I didn't smoke, so she let me because I asked. And uh, what did you have a whole cigarette, or just take a take no, a drag? A couple of drags, and that was it. Good for um, you. 
where I grew up, maybe you had this too. If somebody, there were guys that smoked a lot but never bought them and would bum them from other guys. Mm-hmm. And people would accuse that person of smoking. Do you remember what? OPs? That's right, OPs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that fucker. He smokes OPs. Other people's, yeah. Yeah, other people's cigarettes. <laughs> um, did you smoke, Fred? Not really. I tried. Like, you know, yes. And, like, I smoked with any consistency cigars. And when Howard and I first hooked up, that was probably my my longest run. It wasn't long of cigarettes. I don't know. Not really. After when you stopped smoking cigarettes with me in the control room, you did smoke Colts for a while. We talked about this recently about how Danny caught you smoking. Yeah. Um, all right, we let's get this show started because we have a lot of stuff to get today and uh, some great audio. Dan Duran will uh, kick things off with the Dan Duran uh, announcements. <laughs> <laughs> School announcements. Dan Duran is about to do the announcements. Yeah. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the rainy studios in Brampton, Toronto, and the western shores of Shimong Lake, and is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, and Health Gauge. And now here are two men who don't believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose three days later to save us from our sins. Because if that works, why didn't all the other all-knowing and all-seeing gods do the same thing? Hmm? It's Humble and Fred. Thank you, Dan Duran. Yeah, I got enough. I just have one more day before Fred will uh, request his uh, favorite Easter joke of mine. And I've, re- I've got to update the references. I've been telling the same joke so long that originally one of the references inside the joke, uh, this is true, is a Sony Walkman. So that's how long I've I've had this joke in my head for to, to the point where it went Walkman, Discman, Laser Discs. I just went through the whole eight tracks. All the media. Not you know. Okay, to be fair, no, it hasn't been around since eight tracks. Um, anyway, so this you know, and then I've updated to Air EarPods, and then uh, anyway, initially it was a garage sale. Then I, I did Kijiji. Now I'm thinking of squeezing Shopify in there. Anyway. There's a lot of stuff going on. eBay. eBay. I'll, even eBay. Even eBay. You know, there's... No, I, I don't think you and I and Fred... I don't even think we're aware of a, a fraction of the things that are out there that people are using to sell different things. Like, do you guys... Have you ever heard of this thing called Poshmark? No. No. Rachel uses it to sell used clothing all the time. Hmm. It's like... It's like a Facebook marketplace meets, uh, I don't know, uh, it's a sort of cool clothing. I, I All I'm saying is, like, have you guys ever used Shopify? I haven't. You've heard of it, though. Yeah, but you don't use Shopify, do you? Sure you do. Oh, you can buy I, and sell things on Shopify. I thought Shopify set up selling platforms. Yeah, as a way to buy and sell stuff. Oh, okay. Oh, I think. Didn't know no, that. But you, you can go to Spotify, the website, and shop like you do on eBay? You no, said you no. Said, it's not. You said Spotify. You can't go to Spotify. Shopify. Uh, yeah. Shopify. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't just know. thought I Shopify. Think. I just thought they built and created selling prat- platforms. That's oh, what I no, thought. Also, I haven't used that. No. Uh, okay. So I could. I could be says uh, Shopify.ca uh, start selling online. 
Oh, okay. So you don't go to Shopify to buy stuff? Well, there you go. See, I didn't oh, know it's that. A plat- I think it's, so. a plat- it's a platform. Okay. For you to sell stuff. My point is, Poshmark okay. is, never heard of it, but, you know, Rachel started using it. She sells stuff all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm going to update that. Tomorrow I will have the updated Easter weekend Jesus joke. Okay, okay. good. Yeah. Okay. And, so uh, if you sell clothing online, how do you distribute? How do, how do you get it, the clothing to the people? You print off forms. You you have a you go to UPS. You ship it to them. It's all all of it. Oh, so Poshmark is is a yeah is a site you go to. She has her clothes on there, and she and people rate your you know your your marketplace. And oh yeah, so it's like eBay as opposed to yeah. Marketplace or uh, yeah. Kijiji, where you go to the person's house to get the stuff, you send stuff out. Yes. Here's a question. Okay. You know, on Amazon or eBay, well, mostly Amazon, this refers to, you know, there's an item that says it's brand new, but you can also buy used. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you ever bought the used version of something you're looking to buy? No. Yeah, me neither. And I just found it interesting that that's somehow still available, that Amazon facilitates the sale of brand new items and used items. My third question is, where are those used items coming from, like just regular people, or are they coming from companies? Are they used or reconditioned? Either or. refurbished would be the thing. It depends on the item. Oh, okay. Don't know, Howie. All I ever uh, uh, order off uh, Amazon is coffee and light bulbs. That's your go-to spot? Mm-hmm. You order light bulbs off Amazon? Well, only because, you know, it's hard, and this is bad, but you can't any longer. You know, most light bulbs now are the LED ones that last for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have a couple of lamps here where they, just the way they're designed, they won't screw in all the way. So I look for the old, what do you call them, incandescent? Yeah. I look for those. You can still find them the odd time. Look at Dan with his look of disgust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. Oh, I'd, love, uh, to, you know, I'd love to follow you around for a day and just see all the rules you break. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, starting with the fact that you live in a jurisdiction where you don't have a green bin. Yeah, you just throw it into the into the forest around here. <laughs> By the way, I think I told you guys this. One of my favorite things about being in California in February is the house I was staying in. Had a carburetor. In in Toronto, you're not allowed to have carburetors, but it is the greatest thing. Oh, they scare me. I know, me too. I had him growing up. My dad kept putting him in whatever. Well, we didn't move too many times, but he was a big fan of the carburetor. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. it's so convenient. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's scary because, you know, oh. you, you always think, what if I put my yeah. thumb down there? Well, yeah. I often think, oh, you know, something gets jammed, so you just you put you put your hand down there to try and grab it, and then somebody walks in the room, doesn't see what you're doing, and flips it on for whatever reason. Yeah, because yeah. that's the first it's a horror movie no, waiting no. to happen. Because that's it? the yeah. first thing people do when they walk into a room. I uh, oh, I'll just turn the carburetor on. <laughs> things happen. Yes, I know. crazy things happen. I know. You know, I do know. Well, the lesson there is: don't put your hand down. Yes. And don't be friends with people <laughs> that just walk into rooms. <laughs> That's right. Start garbering. I know it doesn't make sense. Why would you walk in a room and turn on the garburetor if you haven't yet put anything in the garburetor? Right. right. And why would I see you with your hand in the sink and think, I know what would help Fred now. 
Maybe I should garburate. Okay, maybe I overthink. <laughs> no, yeah. no, but you're right. I because I had had a garburator for many years, and then moved here six years ago, and was told we don't garburate in Toronto. And then having had it again, I had all those thoughts. I, I was like, because you got another thing, you, you have to have the water running when you're garburating. A couple times I did some dry garbs, you know, and uh, where I just turned it on, I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you can't just garburate it. You know, you can't raw dog the garburator. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, when you moved into that place you're in right now, sitting in right now, did you go around the, the whole place and replace any incandescent light bulbs with uh, LEDs? Didn't have to. They were already all the, LEDs. Every, every, every lamp in that place. Yep. Okay. The they were already lights, there, though. These ceiling lights behind me here, those are all LED panels. They're little okay, those sensors. cool little lights you have in your tin palace, are they all LED? Uh, not yet. But they're all 12 volt. So some of them are. But it's not like 110. Now, where you've got me is my uh, my fancy lights out front, the... Uh, you know the patio lights. <laughs> oh, you you know what? Yeah, I got you. He's got you. You got me. There. I knew he was. You know, still, I, I knew he was going to get you at some point. Because if you look at someone with disdain, yes. you know, for their environmental um, <laughs> violations, right. you better have a. You better be clean yourself. You buddy, better be able to back to pump. it up. Yeah. When I buy a new bulb, though, it's always an LED. So because oh, you have no choice. If you go to I'm any store now, that's all you can. Yeah. Anyway, Dan. Well, yeah. You are a, a shining example Thank to you. all of us yeah. on so many fronts. You are a shining example of hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Aren't we all? Oh, for sure. Yes, we are. This we are. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes, we are. But right now, you're being on the hot seat. The Freddy, spotlights on, the, you're on the spotlights Freddy, on me. The, the Freddie P. hot seat. Hey, I don't, I, Dan, you, you look at me. I don't give two and a half shits. I, although, you know, like Rachel's coming over here. And, every, and whenever we're together, we play this game of like, I don't know how to recycle as good as her. So, you know, in my kitchen, I've got the garbage. I've got the... The organic below the sink, and then I have a usually have a paper bag where I put my recyclables. And when I'm whenever yeah. with her, it's like I I take something and I'm not really sure. Like I sort of look to her, and she'll like, okay, little Jimmy, <laughs> you know, this goes over here. And many times I'm wrong. Like I'm wrong on tin foil. I didn't realize. I th- listen when she's not here. I just throw everything over there. What? But, yes. Well, not everything, but I'm not as like. It's like a game well, show. It, it's like, okay, yeah, but it's like over time you pick up all the, you know, what you can and can't do. I mean, yeah. Toronto is pretty, uh, mm-hmm. pra, Toronto is, you know, they're, they have a one stream system. So you throw everything in the same thing there, right? And in, in here it's two stream. They keep the, the paper separate. So our, oh, well, I do the best I can. I'm doing the best I can. In Peel, we have three. We have the green, yeah. the blue, and the gray. Right. Yeah. Well, but so the thing we. is, what I have noticed since Delitus Delise got a Delise Delise got us on it <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> it is dramatic because when it's every other week, right? So it's garbage every other week, recycle every other week. It's amazing yeah. every other week when it's garbage. There's hardly anything in there. It's amazing how much the recyclable stuff mm-hmm. can easily be, you know, recycled. It, it's the it's the bulk of your of your garbage. Yeah, I, I'm. I, listen, Dan. I do the best I can. All I'm saying is, when she's here, we get down to the micro level, and I'm often wrong. Okay, uh, we okay. got to switch gears here. Thanks, Dan. Well, Dan will be do back. We, this is so interesting. Oh, is it? We just did 15 minutes on smokes and recycling. 
and the fact that you and I have a fear that somebody's going to come in in the middle of a garburation operation. Uh, Edmonton Steve is here. He's gotten up early. Uh, this has to do with something that came up yesterday in our show, which was, you know, the idea of, you know, all of us reacting to this kid that was trying to be our intern. And a lot of reaction to that. You know, you and I were saying, like, you know, how excited we were the first time we were ever allowed in a radio station and how it was like, mm-hmm. yes. you know, a big deal. And, and if you and I had had an opportunity to intern on a huge show like this, you know, we would have we would have been on time. And Edmonton, Steve, what do you say to that? Uh, I, I was I was interested. I was I was interested by how Fred was particularly uh, I wouldn't say pushy, but you kept you kept at him. And I, I thought you guys were were absolutely correct. I mean, it was uh, an opportunity, and his not being there on time really was his first sign of his lack of respect. You know what I mean? And, and already he had to earn your respect back just from the fact that not showing up on time, that's what it said, right? And Fred, uh, as I heard you go, sort of go on and on, you were, you were particularly, I wouldn't say abrasive, but you, would, you weren't going to let him off the hook, you know? Isn't, isn't that good for them, though? And Howard and I have talked about this before. I just remember the first night, or the night before, the first morning, I went into CKFH to write traffic reports for two hours, how I couldn't sleep, and I kept jumping up to look at the clock. And, Howard, you went through moments like yeah. that, too, and I just can't believe... And, you know, in the first job I got in Brampton, same thing. I couldn't sleep, and I was there early, and I'm driving around the block before my interview and stuff. That's Those are the memories I get. And then just to sleep through, like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I told, so I told Howard, I don't even know if Howard had ever heard this story. I had uh, my first interview at CBC. I was in my first year of university, and I already knew that I, I was interested in broadcasting, and I I was in Saskatoon. I'd already volunteered at the university radio station. And I, I used to, and it was funny because it was just a volunteer job, but I went there, uh, I think once a week. And then I had my own show and did that once a week. And so I learned how to run an audio board. I learned kind of how to, to be in radio and I had my own show. And, uh, and even that show I was never late on, never late to, to, uh, to show up at work. But then I got, a, I got, a. uh, I got an opportunity to um, be interviewed by some guy at CBC for a summer job. So, and uh, it was funny because I thought there's no freaking way they're going to hire me. Like, there's no way CBC is going to hire me. So I went, but I got the, I got the, um, I had the interview because a friend of mine had been working at CBC and she said, go and ask him. So I, I phoned the guy up. He said, sure, come on down for an interview. And uh, I had the interview and I was, I was, I mean, God knows, I was just excited just to get the interview. And again, I couldn't sleep the night before, but I thought this would be cool. So anyway, I went there and he talked to me and turned out he, of course, CBC was across the street from Ideal Menswear. So he knew, he knew dad, you know, we talked about my dad and talked about what I could do. I could run an audio board. And then the best thing was he gave me a tour and honestly, God, I used to pass by this place on the way to Taylor's. When I worked for Dad at the store, we'd take pants to the Taylor's, as Howard knows. So I'd, 
I take them, you know, two or three or four or ten times on a Saturday. I pass by this place. I think, wow, this must be a cool place to work, it's, you know, rather than working at the store. Anyway, so the guy gave me a, a tour of the whole station. Wow. And at that point, I thought that, that was the coolest thing. I, I, I thought that, that that's all that was going to happen. I was going to get a tour and I was excited and I left. I thought, well, that was it. You know, and then he called me up two weeks later and he, he hired me. Uh, and that was the beginning of my my freaking career. Well, that's a great story. Uh, <laughs> clear, clearly, you weren't hired, you know, as an editor. Um, I'm kidding. No. That was a beautiful. That was a beautiful. St- <laughs> okay, I, I was a cheap joke. That's a younger brother joke. That's I love you. That's an I love my brother joke. Prick. <laughs> you listen. No, you're a fucking prick. Is you're thinking the same thing. Well, just, then when he when he went into the part about the tailors, I'm like, I'll see where this goes. Uh, I, I rem- just wake up. I rem- no, you're you're a beautiful, beautiful man. I remember. What, by the way, did you start smoking when we lived in Henry, on Henry Street? You, did you steal mom's cigarettes? You no, know, I didn't start. Well, speaking of editing, I didn't start smoking till I got into broadcasting, and I was editing all night. Yeah, and, and me and the editor would just smoke. You know, literally the entire evening. At one time, everyone in my family, both older brothers and both parents and I, all smoked. And I guarantee you, there were times, probably not many, where we all smoked in that house. But the point of all of this was that no, you know, we, I never smoked in the house. I was never smoking when I was in my teens. No, no, I, I meant, I'm, 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 no, I meant when we come back to visit. At some point, there had to oh, be. Oh yeah, yeah. The later years, we all. Um, anyway, the point is, yesterday we had this intern, and uh, we we gave another shot and in a week or so he's going to come back and we'll see if it all works out but the point we're trying to make is it was a big deal for all of us you know i remember i drove to weyburn saskatchewan which is 90 miles from where i lived to interview for my first radio job which only lasted a month but you know i it was a big deal i drove an hour and a half or two hours to go and believe me, I didn't sleep through it. And, and not, I don't know if it's respect or not. It's hard to say the kid doesn't respect us, but he doesn't respect or not being here on time. It, that, it's that's it. It's not us personally. It's just the op. That's great. It, he doesn't respect the opportunity. And not everyone gets that opportunity. Well, what we, gotta, we have to get our heads around is times are just different. Because, again, what irked me about it? Well, there was a lot of things that irked me about it. Um, he didn't even have to leave his house. <laughs> no, Think exactly. About that. All, all the interviews we had over the years and how we were like beside ourselves and went into them again with no sleep and really oh, yeah. nervous. All he had to do was get out of bed and walk over to a computer and still didn't do that. Yeah, barely had to get out is, of bed. We can be critical of that kid, but Stephen, Howard, and I, like our, our experience over the past few years, even... Even reaching back twenty years ago, the kids are different now. They their their expectations or or entitlement is just different. Hey, oh yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. I mean, I can tell you that. I mean, I work with a lot of young people who are really, really on the ball. I mean, it, it blows me away. Like uh, a lot of the folks we have in Montreal and Toronto, where we've been doing a lot of shows. Honestly, I, I, I'm. I have a great respect yeah, for them. I agree, and I, I, I you know, and I, I'm, I'm excited to be still in the business and learning from them. Well, you know, well, those are the ones that are successful. Well, no, and I, I was going to yeah. say the same thing. You know, like yeah. I, I forget the comics. Then we're going to talk a little stand up with Stephen. And, and for people who don't know, Stephen is one of the producers for Just for Laughs in Toronto and in Montreal. And no, he's never hired me. Um, 
Although Bruce Hills, if you see Bruce Hills, I uh, say Bruce Howard still remembers you owe him money from Club Soda, but that's a different story. So, um, you, you know, I, I was working on a set a couple weeks ago, and I work with young comics all the time. And I'll tell you, those people on the set, those young human beings in their 20s and 30s, man, they were sharp. Like, really on the ball. You know, I've worked with your son, Fred, on sets. And, you know, those are the ones that, you know, got there, did the interview, did the work. Because they get it. And, 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 and I'll say that set I was on a couple of weeks ago today, actually, or yesterday, uh, with, with Spencer was... I was super impressed. Like everyone knew what they were doing. It was a really, it was a very professional environment and nobody, I was, you know, I was obviously yeah. the oldest guy, but, but everyone there knew what they were doing. It was cool. You know, one thing I'd say about the young fellow who you were talking to yesterday is that you, I, you made the right decision in trying to determine just how talented he is, you know, because like, I, I mean, I've been in this business a long time and, uh, you know, not not that long ago, I was I was hiring someone, and in the process, uh, had the phone slammed down in my ear and was told to fuck off. Really? In the process. Oh yeah. What? Uh, but I knew I knew that I I had the right person, and I knew that I had, and so it was worth my time to sort of uh, reach detente and and create a relationship. And now it's really good. And all I'm saying is that with that young fellow yesterday, you gave him an assignment, um, and we'll, and you'll see how, how talented he is when he comes back with it. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could have handled yesterday. You actually could have done this. You could have said uh, when the guy finally signed on to this Zoom call, you could you could have told him to fuck off and 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 and, and hung up on him, yeah. and then called him back in five minutes and said, okay, we're going to give you another chance uh-huh. and see if he stayed with you. I mean, you could have uh-huh. gone that way. Um, but you were pretty nice. But like I say, the, the, what you want to do is you want to know that um, maybe through all of this clunkiness, you might have a new uh, a new answer that may be really good. Well, yeah, that's you don't, the upside. Well, you you know, know, we told him after the show, Steve, not on the show. We said, if you're going to phone us the day before or something and say you didn't have time or you didn't get it done yeah. or you're not ready, we said, don't even bother making that call. Just disappear now. Yeah. Don't even bother telling us that. Just go away. <laughs> yeah. What we, what because we, we've, we've run into that before as well. Which is insane yeah. when you think about it. We've literally run into people. We've, we've done the yeah. same thing. We said, go ahead, or go away, come back with something. And we've got the dog ate my homework excuse. And we just said that to him. In fact, we were, yeah. we were a little, not that we weren't. Listen, part of what we did on the show yesterday, and I know you know this, but, you know, it was part of it was like, you know, trying to make it, you know, I kept going to the thing. What do you think we should do? We're trying to make it a bit without, mm-hmm. sa- without, well, I that. without yeah, I know you do, yeah. but without leaning too much into the, we're a couple of crusty pricks, but oh, off the air, we basically were really firm with him and said, you know, we're, if you don't do this, just fuck off, you know, because mm-hmm. if you ca- if you have any excuse next week, this was your one right. chance. So if there's a it didn't work, I couldn't get a hold of Dan or my mm-hmm. my computer didn't have a garage band broke. We said, don't even bother. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Steve, who knows? This kid could be great. Mm-hmm. What he hopefully will understand is the opportunity that's on the table. Okay. So, listen, we got to talk a little bit of comedy, and then I'm going to let you go. I'm going to play some Gilbert stuff. I, I, I sort of was texting with Steven yesterday. I thought, well, for sure, because I've got, I've got a couple Gilbert Godfrey stories. Fred and I have one. 
together. But you, all all the years at JFL, I'm surprised that you didn't. He's, you know, I, 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 I checked and I know um, there's been, you know, many, many comics in Montreal, but he's been there for sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, and he was on a show that I was helping to produce, but I wasn't even at the venue at the time. But it was a big deal when he was in Montreal. But I was going to say my my little quick story is the fact that uh, when I was watching the Aristocrats, and I'm trying to figure out where I was, like I was in, in the house here, for, and I made the mistake of not putting my earphones in. <laughs> right? That's correct. And I, I'm just sitting there laughing my head off, and Jane came had heard whatever part of the movie. Jane is Stevens' in. wife. And, and yeah. I think uh, I think we might have had she might have had guests. Anyway, it was, just, <laughs> it, was, it, was it was a bad scene. I remember, uh, but it was honestly the, the Aristocrats was the funniest movie ever. And, and we're gonna play. I'm gonna I'm gonna play Gilbert's. Uh, ver- it, 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 if you've seen the movie, you've seen this clip. We're gonna play in a bit. But I was just thinking about the you and Jane came to visit me when I was living in Los Angeles, and. I, I can't remember why I wasn't doing stand up there, but we had, ended up going to the comedy store. And do you remember this? And Sam Kinison was oh, yeah. <laughs> Sam. We ended up seeing Kinison, and I don't think yeah. Jane. <laughs> I don't think Jane, who's very she lovely, she never seen it, and he was hilarious. Yeah, very I mean, the funny. Two things happened that night. Is what night was we saw Sam Kinison and we lost the car. I don't remember the car. Remember that? No, we I don't. Lost, we could, took us two hours to find the freaking rental car. Oh, like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> That's yeah. funny because anyway. I don't remember any that part. I just remember my my sister in law with her hair flying back like the guy in that uh, Maxell tape commercial. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Steve, thanks very much for popping in, and thanks, uh, you, guys. you know, one of my very favorite of my of my brothers. You are absolutely one of my favorites. Have a good day. By the way, it's my minus twenty here. Sorry, is it really? Yeah, oh yeah, it's, like, it's, really it's gonna bad. be it's gonna be plus twenty one here today. Oh. Hey, and by the way, did you get? Anyway, hey, wait, did you get my note about your grandbabies? Uh, what about you know? Yeah, yeah, I just sent a note. Their their birthday was oh, a couple yeah, days it was ago. Their birthday last week. Yeah, Twins. You, All right, man. Take care. Okay, see you guys. Bye. Um, see ya. I'll uh, yeah. Before we, sweet Edmonton Steve, huh? He loves the show, huh? I don't. You know, you, you can get your family on too if you want. You know, I, it doesn't have to be. My family are not performers. I know. I'm just teasing. I'm just saying. You know, this it's open if you want. Uh, you want to? If I got my brother to be on the show, he wouldn't sleep for a week prior to. Aww. Maybe we should hire him as an intern because <laughs> he'd be serious. I was just telling you. You know, you know, Fred and I have worked together a long time, and I can. We both can tell when the other person is thinking something, and when sometimes when something's happening, I'll look over at you, and you've got that look in your face, like you're gonna. I know you're gonna say something. And did you know what I was thinking during the? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, Stevie. Anyway, do you want to? Do you want to? What's that? It was a good story. It was a good story. Anyway, do you want to uh, do something for me here? And then we'll yeah. uh, talk a little bit about Gilbert Gottfried dying, yeah. which is bizarre. And then I'm going to play a little bit of the uh, aristocrats. 
Let me tell you about Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Chambers Plan is Canada's leading group benefit plan for small business, say one to a hundred employees. Yes, if you have two or three people in the office, that is enough. Okay, and this works because your small company will be grouped with other small companies. And now it looks like a big company, which means that the premiums are affordable for your small company. And they've done a great job of keeping costs down over the past few years. They really have, which is important for small business because, you know, you can't have big fluctuations in your costs. You can't handle it. Chamber Plan is all over that. Chamberplan.ca is where to go. Get a free quote today. Just take some time. See all the products they have, how it will work for you. You know, you can buy in at different levels. Again, a lot of thoughts been put into this. It's a great option for small business. Lots of uh, testimonials there, how it's worked for other businesses. Chamberplan.ca. And uh, Edmonton Steve, uh, I guess he could, could, could Edmonton Steve count as the Gig Sky guest of the day, even though, you know, we have a, an official guest, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Oh, a co-guest of the day. Yeah, why not? I'm prepared, I'm prepared to make that call. I just want to make sure I have the uh, latest here, because Rudra sent me an update. Yes. Just pause for a second, everybody. Here we go. Updated talking points. As you know, Gig Sky, available all over the world. If you're thinking about the beaches, you know, maybe getting away from... If you're in Edmonton, man, you, you got to get away to somewhere warm. And if it's not Toronto, how about Costa Rica, Dominican Republic? Get that spring in your step and rejuvenate yourself. You deserve peace of mind when you travel, so surf like a local with the tap of a button. Gig Sky offers a 100% data plan. Maps, Uber, Instagram, WhatsApp, FaceTime. Gig Sky's got it all. And if you need a hotel, rental car, or looking for things to do, Gig Sky Travel Rewards offers... Up to 50% cash back on over 850,000 hotels globally, reduced rates for rental cars, and you can even book your theme park adventure directly from your GigSky account. Visit GigSky.com slash travel rewards, sign in, uh, and uh, you're sign into your account for more information about the Travel Rewards program. Download the app, enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan, or visit GigSky.com for more information. Uh, our other guest is early. Let me just message them. Stand by for 8.15. Okay. Mm. Do you remember... I remember what studio we were in. We were on the 16th floor of Young and Dundas. We hadn't moved down. We, You and I were still doing the show upstairs. Uh, so I guess it was early in our transition there because we moved there in 90... I want to say 95, 96 downtown. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't move down to the street for a bit. So I remember being excited that Gilbert was going to come in. And then you and I were kind of like, it was it didn't go great. Do you remember that? Vaguely. I don't really remember much about the interview, except, you know, when you listen to Gilbert on Stern, you know, they've got hours and he's sitting there and he's cracking. And he was, he was a great guest on Stern. Our show, 
You know, we had, what did we have, five minutes to talk to somebody? You know, we were in between songs. We were never given more than, you know, remember in those days, three to five minutes was a huge break right. for us. Mm-hmm. And he was just hard for us to wrangle. And Was he, okay, so he came in in person? Yes. I, did I remember. we not also, when we were at Mojo, have him on the phone one day too? That's sort of what I remembered. But anyway, um, now I now I do remember he came in. And it was, yeah, it wasn't, he wasn't that interested in being there. Well, and, and, you know, you find out later that was just kind of his, he's a very, he was a very gentle, sweet, Mm -hmm. nervous, not, you know, very comfortable around comedians, not so much around the rest of the world. And I, and I was disappointed because I was a huge Gilbert fan at that time and I'd seen him in LA and, Mm. and then later when I heard him on Stern, I kind of understood why he didn't work with us because you know we, it was so he wasn't going to sit there for a regular interview no yeah he was just in promoting something and yeah and it was awkward of, for our little shows in toronto yeah and, <clears throat> you know we often ran into that let's be off honest too in the uh, whether you want to call it the hierarchy or whatever the comics often came in with an attitude that disc jockeys were just dicks yeah, and and I, that's why I say I kind of get it. Yeah. I mean, if you're you're going around and and I and you know, and obviously if we were doing a show like this now, he would be fine with us. And um So I I'm a, I'm a little conflicted now because we have this interview with the guy who does the videos that are, you know, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if we should play the aristocrats before he comes on. So maybe I'll do this. Maybe mm. we'll we'll just talk a little bit about Gil- Gilbert now, and then I'll play it as part of Dan's news later. What do you think of that as a call? Yeah, or maybe we could end the show with it. Yeah, okay. You that's know? a good one. That's how we'll go out. Yeah, maybe that's the, the place to do it, because then that's after the Sherpa, and nobody yes. has to be... Because it's really a horrible... Yeah. Honestly, if you haven't heard of the aristocrats then at this point in the podcast go google it and then yes. we'll play we'll play gilbert's version of it which a lot of people think is one of the best and it's from the movie but i it, it's a, there's an interesting story around it because of the night he told it was three weeks after 9-11 mm-hmm. and you know nobody would dare to say the things that gilbert said mm-hmm. and that was part of what he was he was really, really a, you know, I'm going to say this, really a special comedian because he was fearless. And I can tell you from being on stage since I was like 21 years old, being on stage as a comic is a lot of fear around it because you're never, you're always on the, you're always wondering, is this going to work? And so uh-huh. a lot of comics are very safe and, you know, sort of vanilla, don't want to offend anyone. And I'm in that, you know, in that group. I've never said anything remotely as offensive as Gilbert Gottfried because you're just scared uh-huh. to do it. Right, And what I'm getting at is the very first time I saw Gilbert was at the Improv on Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles. And I was there. It was an industry-only showcase night for comedians. The whole place is packed with agents and bookers and, you know, people on the inside. And I don't know if I've ever, I'm sure I've told you this story, but if you don't remember it. I was there as the guest of one of my friends from Canada who also has passed away, a guy named Rick Dukeman. And his wife, Susie, I knew them from Vancouver. 
originally there from Saskatchewan. So I'm there, and Gilbert gets on stage. This is his big, not his first showcase, but he's showcasing his act. And for the first, I'd say, 30 to 45 seconds, he comes on stage and is just you know, anyone else, you're doing your best material and you're mm-hmm. going right to your A++. He starts doing some bit about the bricks on the wall and he starts yelling right. at them. And people are, it's, for, I, I'm so shocked. First time I'd seen him, I was like, is this guy not going to? And it was just so remarkable that he had the balls to do that right in front of all these people. And I never forgot that. I always thought, you know, I don't. I knew I didn't have that. I'd never be able to pull something like that off. Anyway, I'm going to pull a clip right now of him. I think you'll like this because uh, it's him on Letterman. And again, just how unusual his act was to go on, you know, national television, you know, and, and do this weird little quirky act of his. Jackie Gleason in Casablanca. You get not I play with Vic Laszlo. Oh, you get not I play, all right. And I know that you know that I know that you get not I play. Elmer Fudd in Apocalypse Now. Oh, the horror. Now, James Mason as Ralph Cramden. Alice, Norton and I are going bowling. (laughs) Richard Burton as Norton. I can't go bowling with you, Ralph. Trixie's mother is coming over. (laughs) Jack Nicholson as Alice. You can't go bowling, Ralph. (laughs) Oh, how I wish these bits had endings. (laughs) Why don't I come up with an ending for a bit? You never do, do you? That's how he ends his set. He's on Letterman, Mm -hmm. and he literally, look, he's looking around going, I wish I had an ending for these bits. (laughs) Uh, anyway, that was, uh, I, and you know, it's so weird because uh, apparently he's had this illness. He died of uh, leukemia, from what I read. So a couple of months ago when Saget died, he must have, you know, Gilbert Gottfried knew that he wasn't doing very well, I, I suppose. It must have been odd for him. Yeah, only 67 too. Wow. Young man. And, and you know what? As strange a guy as he was, he had a family. He was married. He had beautiful mm-hmm. couple of kids. Like mm-hmm. it's just sort of weird. And and so we're talking like Bob Saget, Norm Macdonald, Louis Anderson, mm-hmm. Gilbert Gottfried. Am I missing? <laughs> am I missing anybody? Comic by the all comics in their sixties. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Yeah. There's probably more. Yeah, we've forgotten a bunch, I'm sure. Anyhow, um, when we uh, present the aristocrats later, I'll tell you about another part of that night at the Improv in L.A. It was kind of interesting for me when I got yelled at by Bruce Willis. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And he's struggling these days as well. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's true. uh, 
Uh, bad. He's, he's got that disease where you can't communicate, which is pretty not good for an actor. Mm-hmm. No, don't we have that disease? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Mitch, are you Chronic. there? I'm here. I'm here. Are you going to turn your camera on, or is that not part of the... Ah, there, we there we go. Wow. Aren't you in? You guys, you guys are so crystal clear. Yeah, aren't you guys in? Like, aren't you in television productions? You understand? <laughs> are you in your kids' room there? What is that? I don't know what I'm, where I am. Let me, let me, I think I've got. A, I think I got the wrong camera. No, yeah, we can see you, but you're just looking at the wrong spot. I know. It's. I don't know what's the, going the, on. The camera we see, it's like up in the roof or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, it's on top of his monitor. Uh, Mitch Azaria is the executive producer behind two, there you go, behind two very successful uh, real-time travel documentaries. And he's back for a third. It's called Tripping the Bruce. It premieres this Friday on TVO. And here we are again, Mitch. And and, and we were were there for the very first one. (laughs) I, I was thinking after the first one, you never thought I'd be back. No, I, I that's, yeah. What was the first one again? I'm sorry, did you just say that? The, the first one was a, was a real Hummer, four hours. Four hours down the Rideau Canal. That was right. Show, but four hours. Mm-hmm. We had one guy, he, he wrote in, he said, that was the best eight hours I ever watched, because they played them back to back. Oh, he, <laughs> he didn't notice the difference. <laughs> why, why don't you explain to those of us that are listening that don't know what we're talking about it's uh it's quite a i guess this is you know it's funny you never know what you're going to stumble upon you've stumbled upon quite a concept and it's getting great people love it but explain your whole premise here yeah it is worth an explanation so the idea was tvo wanted to do or wanted to borrow from something the norwegians were doing called slow tv Mm -hmm. but they wanted a canadian version and that's all they had was that idea and we thought okay um, let's find a place. The Rideau Canal is kind of cool because it starts, you know, somewhat, you know, wilderness, somewhat cottage country, and it ends at the Parliament Building. So that was our first one. And then we tried to figure out what could we do. We wanted to put the viewer into an old boat and literally let the viewer feel like they're the ones floating down the Rideau Canal. They interact with the lock guys. They, you know, they, they, they listened to everything that was going on um, on the canal. No music, no narration, no cuts, four hours long, um, and a real experiential um, you know, time. And what we did, I think, that made it a little bit better than just sort of a, you know, a beautiful ride is we dropped in. You guys remember those old um, you know, uh, music videos where you pop up. Um, yeah. Info. In fact, so wasn't, it, was, was, wasn't it called pop up video? Yeah. I, <clears throat> My daughter used to write it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was that a, was that just a Canadian thing or did they do that on the American channel, too? Well, I don't know, but they did it here at uh, much music for years. But. So that's part of but that's part of the mm-hmm. concept is as we're floating yeah. along, uh, some pop up facts come along and. And it's, it's just sort of a nice way to pass the time. And now, so you did the Rideau Canal, and then your second one was? We flew, we flew as if we were a red-tailed hawk um, from Lake Ontario to Niagara Falls. And how long was that video? <laughs> that, was a, that was a shorty. It was three hours. That was a three hour. <laughs> and now you're back. The It's like the Star Wars. The trilogy continues. <laughs> and now you're back tripping the Bruce. 
Yeah. Where's the Bruce? What's it all about? <laughs> yeah, I had Howard, I, I thought the same thing. Somebody was telling me while we were doing the Niagara, you got to go to the Bruce. And, you know, I had no idea where the Bruce was. I'm not a, I get north of the 401 and I'm lost. Sure. So I thought, okay, well, I'll try, I'll try that. And we went up there, John Morrison and I, my director, we went up to, uh, to the Bruce Tobermory. And we got into a little boat and we started going along this coastline. It's staggering. I mean, it's it's not like any part of Ontario. The water's, you know, like crystal clear, turquoise. There's shipwrecks that you can almost, you know, put your hand into the water and touch. Mm-hmm. The cliffs soar, you know, 50 meters high because it's the Niagara Escarpment. I mean, it's just a stunning, stunning um, landscape. And then, you know, once we learned more about the shipwrecks, we thought, well, you know, within, within minutes we knew this was going to be the – the place for our next episode i know i've heard <clears throat> i'm so ashamed of myself i mean we've often talked about this i've been a lot of places but i really haven't discovered my province and i've heard so many wonderful things about that area and still haven't been there so I, i'm gonna watch this on uh, friday night of, for sure well guys oh, yeah. where where is it excuse my ignorance uh, yeah so you you, you, what you get on to it's directly northwest of Toronto. <clears throat> so if you're in Toronto, you take um, essentially Highway 10 directly north, and where it ends at the water, you're in Tobermory and you're at the top of the Bruce Peninsula. So it's about a four hour, just under four hour drive, almost directly north of Toronto. Right. Okay. It's a peninsula that juts into Lake Huron and almost completely separates Georgian Bay from Lake Huron. Okay. In fact, at one time in, in history, it because it's the uh, Niagara Escarpment, when water levels were low, it actually completely separated Georgian Bay from Lake 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 yeah. Why is it filled with so many shipwrecks? Well, I mean, for a bunch of reasons, mostly because um, there was a lot of um, there was a there was a, a railway terminus at Midland, um, a number of ra- railway terminuses on the Georgian Bay side. And then all of the American um, side wanted lumber and grain, all the stuff that was coming from Eastern Canada. And if the thing about the shipwrecks, it's like it's like the Fitzgerald, right? Um, they all happened in the late in the season, right? Mm-hmm. Post September, because the owners would say, come on, guys, you can do one last run. You know what the heck? Let's yeah. do one for the old team, right? And they'd get in and the weather would be, you know, would turn really bad as it does in the fall time. And these guys have basically got a basic chart, a compass, and, you know, fingers crossed. And, you know, the weather comes up and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like an ocean, right? Except worse because you have sides. An ocean doesn't really have sides. So now you get stuff coming to you, you know, in two different directions. And, um, you know, when, when the storm happens, basically the lights go out. Well, it was that part of, uh, <clears throat> uh, oh, no, that was Lake Superior was the, was the uh, Edmund Fitzgerald. But the same, same idea, uh, storms come up in seconds and just devour these, the, these ships. Yeah, I mean, we had one come up on us, and it, 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was a storm. The guy said, we're going to have a perfect flat day today, the captain said. And all of a sudden, we were getting these massive rollers. And I said, well, what happened to the perfect quiet day? He said, these are from a storm that happened two days ago on the other side mm-hmm. of the lake. Wow. So, so Mitch, on, um, you know, the, the, 
the information we got here, it says uh, the Bruce is home to its very own subspecies of black bear and 150 species of uh, migrating birds. Do we see that in the special? What's it like when you promote something like that and, and, and you're doing the show and you don't see one? Like, w- w- what do you do? Because if those are features of the area, they got to be in the they got to be in. Did you actually bring in a black bear just in yeah, case? Like, we what did? do you do? Oh, let's get mm-hmm. put the bear on the shore. Make the bear. Yeah. Is the bear ready? Helicopter it in. <laughs> I don't see any you know, We've done that before. We were, we worked with a bear wrangler once and brought a bear into a scene. Yeah. yeah not on, on this. And right. last year we were working with that hawk who was miserable to work with. I mean, mm-hmm. two minutes of work and she was done for the day. It's ridiculous. So, no, we didn't, we didn't wrangle. And, you know, that's a good question, Fred, you know, because we kept debating, can we put stuff in that you don't see? And where we landed is that we have these additional five webisodes that do, you know, show all of the stuff that we can't show because the notion what our, our whole concept is that we're going for four hours and that four hours is that four hours. Whatever no editing, no nothing. Do. No. Okay. I mean, we edit just to be able to go underwater and, and go along the shipwrecks. So it's 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 very spontaneous, you know, and, and okay. sometimes nothing happens and you see one bird and sometimes a whole flock comes by the camera. And how long is so tripping the Bruce? It's this Friday. On a TVO, uh, uh, does it say the time? Eight o'clock? I don't have a time. Uh, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Okay. And uh, how long is this one? The tripping the Bruce. How long is it? Three hours. Three hours. You know, when you were here last time, and I remember asking you about this because my my brother, who was a television producer, was just on, and we were talking about editing. And I, I, I whenever I think of you having to edit, because it, it isn't like one continuous shot. It feels like that. Yeah, but it's a big it's it's a lot of video. It's a huge file and you have to keep watching it over and over again and to make sure it's correct. Like that's got to get tedious. You know, your 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 brother would know, like the crazy thing is there's 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 as many edits in this as there would be in a 30 second commercial, maybe maybe fewer. And the thing is, is to review and edit. And normally when you review and edit in a 30 minute program or a one hour program, you know, your brother would know you roll back maybe, you know, 30 seconds, a minute. You look at the edit. Yeah, that was a good edit. This to roll back, you're rolling back like, you know, 15 minutes. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a flow thing, sometimes 20 minutes. Right. And the interesting thing is we came up our, our animator is just he's just such a cool guy. Matt Knight. The edits are all animated edits. Like it's actually um generated animated footage between the two cuts and you can't tell wow. so that they're so that they're perfectly sort of seamless so when we go underwater to the you know to the shipwreck you see the you, you see this ship being wrecked in animation it looks completely real and then he takes you underwater animated and then when you 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 spend 15 minutes caressing the shipwreck and it's it's just stunning because the water's so clear and then when we come back up he actually animates us from the from the bottom of the ocean or bottom of the lake to the top of, to back up to the the boat again and these are all re- but these are all easily reachable right because there scuba diving is a big thing up there because of that as well right it's it's massive there there's yeah. one called the sweepstakes and it's in a in a bay in tobermory and we just for fun, after work one day, we took a, a paddle boat and a kayak out there. 
and tons of people do it. And you can just have a mask and, you know, and a snorkel. And I mean, you can see it from, you know, from the surface and literally five feet or or I guess we're supposed wow. to use a meter, a meter and a half on the You're on this ship. Right? It's okay. We're all old guys. We think yeah, we're feet as well. Okay. Um, you know, I, I've, I hadn't spent a lot of time up in, in Georgian Bay. And then a few years ago, I was up there with my girls, and uh, I had said to Fred, I, I had no idea. I mean, I'd flown up there. I'd flown up to Collingwood and, and a few times, but I had no idea how much, like you said, it, how much like the ocean. When you're out in the mm-hmm. middle of Georgian Bay and those big boats are, you know, mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything like it. You, mm-hmm. you know, you, I can see how you could easily get lost out there because, you know, you, you can get away from shore and it's like you're in the middle of the sea. I, I had no, again, being from the prairies, I had no concept it looked like that up there. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're sort of familiar with uh, Lake Ontario. I think Huron's five times the size, something like that. Like, it's, wow. it's, 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 it's enormous. It's, well, that's the crazy thing. Lake Ontario is the smallest of all the Great Lakes. Yeah, and, it, and it's <laughs> and it's Matt, and you know you drive for hours along the four hundred one, and it's oh yeah, it's still there. It's great. Now, is Manitoulin Island part of this at all? Uh, only in that um, we 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 filmed the um, there's a ferry, and it's, right. it's, it's that's a fun thing to do. It leaves from mm-hmm. Tobermory, and it goes over to Manitoulin Island. I think it's like two and a half or three hours. It's called the Chichimon. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ship. Yeah, and right. um, and it so people do that. They go from Tobermory, have lunch or dinner on the ferry, go to um, Manitoulin Island, quick spin around there. There's great hiking trails, and then and then come yeah. home. Yeah. And in fact, remember that ship, Captain John? Yes. It was in the Toronto. Oh, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the restaurant, the, the restaurant, yeah. the seafood restaurant down by yeah. the harbor front. Well, its previous life was the ferry between Tobermory and uh, and Manitoulin Island. There you wow. go. See, See? Mitch, Mitch Azaria, you come here with all this information. <laughs> and it's for TVO, um, obviously, TVO, uh, T, uh, TV Ontario. So the, the whole idea, is this like mandated programming for them? Like, hey, look at this thing. It's all about Ontario and they'll run it like over and over and over again over the next few months. Is that the deal? Yeah, I think, you know, had we not had the, 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 the animations and the pop up uh, information boards, like 150 of them. It, it probably wouldn't suit them as well, but the fact that they're an educational channel and, you know, you really, mm-hmm. if you watch this, I mean, no one, I don't think other than that one guy, I don't think you're going to watch it, 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 it's in it in its entirety, but whatever section you're going to watch, you're probably going to learn a little something about that. So that kind of suits their mandate, right? Sure. They're educational. Um, now, I don't, before you, uh, I, I'm sure you've already figured out what, what episode four is going to be. But before you go to camera, is any part of you interested in something I call vibing with Humfred, which is just a, it's just a three hour, you know, lock off the camera, just observe us and then just put up some pop up information. Come on, Mitch. I, you know what? If we could spend a day with you guys. That yeah, exactly. Work. Yeah, Let's do yeah, it. Vibing with Humfred. Yeah, how exciting. What do you mean, how exciting? He's, he's literally video. He's got hours of video of a boat going by the shoreline. And, and, well, and you know what? People watch it. I know. And, and I'm going to make a note of it because I want to watch it, too. Because I say I've never traveled to that area. It's my own province. Howard has an excuse. It's not his home province. No, exactly. but, uh, That's my excuse. 
No, but it, it, it's such a beautiful area. Like, I'm going to watch it uh, uh, Friday night to see what I've never seen, or Sunday night, because uh, to see what I've never seen. No, it's so. Friday night. Yeah. Oh, it's Friday night. Okay. No, it's so Sunday night. It repeats. Night. It repeats Sunday. Oh, Friday, okay. April 15th. It repeats Sunday the 17th. Sunday, yeah. Okay. See how interesting this this uh, video would be. What is your uh, what? Okay, so now the Force Awakens. What is the next uh, in the episodic uh, tale of you uh, you getting TVO money? Yeah, that, that's it, isn't it? Uh, we really, really have wanted to do a train, you know, from the beginning. Yes. But, you know, because of COVID, we couldn't get onto trains because of the close proximity it have to be to other people. So we found this train route. And this is, you know, um, Fred, you're saying, you know, you want to explore your province. This is a cool train route. It's probably a hidden gem. Nobody knows about it. It runs from Sudbury to White River. Mm. And it's it's something called a bud train. So the cars are self-contained cars. They're the unique in all of Canada. There's no other car like this. They were built in the 60s. So mm. what that means is each car is independent. It has its own engine, has its own baggage compartment, its own um, you know place for you know people to to sit and stuff. And it's a stunning ride. And it and it's you know it takes you you know through Shield. It takes you through boreal forest, tons of rivers and lakes. So um, and it's an essential service. They have flag stops. So if you want to, you know, get on the train, you just put anything orange on the track or you stand on this track with a with an orange hat and wave it and they stop for you. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And have I you already got that. have you got the go ahead for that? Uh, we're, we're in the midst of that. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, like on the surface, you think, well, how can how interesting could this be? But I, you know, we both of us find it fascinating, and you're a fascinating character, Mitch Azaria. Appreciate you coming on the show and making us part of your uh, experience. We hope you always. Did you have a nice time this time? I, you know what? I, I look forward to this every year, and I, I, I still think you know when I first came on, um, you know, after we did the Rito, I think both of you kind of thought, yeah, we're not going to see him again. Uh, no. Well, I hope well, we just because the concept uh, was so weird. No, like, I know. No, thought. we didn't think of that. We thought, really, yeah, but- how. How many more minutes are we going to do for this guy before he does something for us? That's what I thought. I mean, I'm, of course, being Hebrew. That's my I'm thinking, what am I getting out of this, Mitch? You know, Fred doesn't think like we do, Mitch. But, you know, I'm my thought is, okay, three times. Are you going to do a little pop up? Don't forget to listen to Humble and Fred. Maybe. You can come on the train with us. <laughs> we'll be the I'd conductor. Yeah, yeah, we're getting our own. Call. You don't have to ask me twice, <laughs> Freddie. Did you have a no, final? Honestly. Did you have a final thought for Mitch's area? No, other than um, really, uh, thank you for doing this. Because uh, again, like so many others, you know, the thought of. Uh, you know, traveling, forget your own province, your own, your own country. People want to think, you know, I got to go to Europe. I got to go here. I got to go there. When we live in maybe, you know, one of the most beautiful areas That's of right. the world. And you just tend not to, to to explore your own territory. It's weird. Anyway, I'll be watching it. Uh, Tripping the Bruce is Friday, 7 o'clock, April 15th on TVO. Repeats again on Sunday. Uh, just before you came on, we were talking about Gilbert Gottfried, and I was looking around this before the show to try and get some clips of Gilbert. And I was a huge Gilbert fan, and I came across somehow I got onto Seinfeld guesting on the Norm Macdonald uh, 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 online show, which which was right. brilliant. Do you ever see that? He had a couple of different incarnations, but the Norm Macdonald <laughs> show online was really really funny. 
His uh, his um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld um, uh, comedians in um, having coffee. Yeah, yeah, convenience and cars. That that thirty minutes that the two of them spend together is I've watched it. Probably 10 times. Well, it's one of my favorite episodes. Actually, another episode that I love, speaking of that series, was when he had John Oliver on. Because John Oliver made Seinfeld laugh like nobody I've ever seen. Anyway, the reason I bring it up, Mitch, and I didn't know, I'd forgotten you. I wasn't thinking of you when I saw this. But so Seinfeld and Norm MacDonald and uh, one one of MacDonald's sidekicks is there. And the sidekick is Jewish. And Seinfeld is telling Norm MacDonald, well, there's 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 certain jokes that only a Jew would get. And McDonald's like, what are you talking about? He says, well, I got a great Jew joke and only he's going to get it. And the whole point of the joke is that Gentiles wouldn't get it. And so here's the joke. Two Gentile businessmen meet each other on the street. And one of them says, hey, I understand you've started a new business. How's it going? And the other guy says, great. (laughs) Okay. Well, and Seinfeld and the Jewish guy laughs a little bit, and, and Norm Macdonald doesn't understand it because that's that's a, that's what Jews think. Jetton, that so because if it was two Jewish guys that met on the street, it wouldn't be oh, it's going great. Or another version of that I've heard is uh, a guy calls a Jewish guy or Gentile. I'm sorry, a Gentile calls his mother and says, "Listen, I know you're making dinner for me tonight, but something's come up at work and I won't be able to make it." And she says, "That's okay." <laughs> Now, the conversations would never end that quickly. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> or, or be that forgiving. Mitch Azaria, thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure Thanks, seeing Mitch. you. Look at Thanks, Mitch. Guys. Mitch is like, okay, now once I get this embarrassing interview out of the way, I can go do the real press. <laughs> uh, take care, my friend. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. There's Mitch's area. Trippin' the Bruce is uh, his third in a trilogy that is just, apparently this is his kid's reti- college fund and his retirement. He's like, I got it. I figured it Good out for after him. all these. Exactly. Take care, Mitchie. Bye, guys. I'm Mitchella. Trippin' the Bruce this Friday and uh, Sunday on uh, TVO. Um, in the meantime, we're waiting for uh, the retirement Sherpa. He'll be along here any second. And as I mentioned, Dan Duran's news in a bit. And we will, uh, I'm just, Mitch, you can just can't say bye-bye. Just hit end meeting or whatever it is you need to do. Right. Uh, one, one thing we don't have to wait for, Howard, is the early line on the Raptors and 76ers. Uh, uh, that playoff series starts Saturday night. The Raps, a sizable underdog, plus 165. The over-under on that game, 217 points. One of the games you can play on uh, Bodog. All the NBA basketball playoffs are there. Uh, hockey, of course, and even baseball. Well, Big Four, always available through Bodog and other sports as well. And, of course, Bodog isn't just, you know, sports on the field, on the rink, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or casino player. Bodog, your number one source of online gambling and entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an un- unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That is Bodog. Yeah, very well said, all of that. Uh, of course, uh, Dan Duran uh, coming up with the news, uh, usually sponsored by HealthGage. I can tell you right now, this watch is basically keeping track of all our health needs and it's just on your arm 
It's weird. You know, it's not like one of those watches. It's just like, oh, how, how many steps did I take? Although, last couple of days I played some golf, which I do occasionally. Do you know what's funny? The, uh, the day before I walked the entire time, it was 10,000 steps. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, because I got there late, I had the wrong time. And so I ended up not using my robot cart. And I took a cart, but the guy that I was playing with said, okay, we can share it. And I'll just walk some of the time. So I walked half the time yesterday in a cart. And it was just about half the the steps, about 6,000 steps. Mm -hmm. Do you you go for 10,000 every day? Huh? Do, do you try no. and go 10,000? No, I have no. But no, well, what no, about no, when no. you go on your walks to downtown Brampton and things? Oh, they're like usually 7,500, 7. Well, the Yesterday point of, may have been 700. Yeah, I didn't do anything. You know, that, that's the thing is that what you can tell is besides just steps, you can also tell your blood pressure, your oxygen saturation, your heart rate, things like your pulse wave velocity. You may not... I mean, a lot of people are aware of things like oxygen saturation because of uh, COVID. Now you can get the Health Gauge at healthgauge.com, Humble Fred HG, for 15% off at checkout. Go check it out yourself, healthgauge.com, and get 15 points off at checkout. Hey, can I just, uh, and you know, again, I here we go, but I'm watching the Masters. And there's some golf equipment, some style of club or whatever, and their and their cell line and now is uh, play less more often. And the whole concept is the better you play, the less swings you take, the less time you're on the course. Do you remember the manufacturer? Because I don't, I don't think I saw that. Play less more often. That's great. Yeah, it really is. It is. Because uh, it is the one sport, right? The better you do, the less you play. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Do you think yes. it's fair? Do you think it's fair that I don't like... Ah, maybe that's too strong. Do you think what? it's fair that I have... I get a bit of an uncomfortable feeling about the Masters champion because he's such a thumper. Like, and, I, and I'm trying to mitigate it by being... He's a kid, and why, what do I, why do I care mm-hmm. if he... But I've just seen a lot of reaction online. The golf community professionally tends to be a bit on the thumpy side. And I saw some reaction to his master's press conference where he talked about giving glory to God. And and again, I don't want to sound like a dick, but I saw Franklin Graham from, you know, Billy Graham's kid. A bunch right. of people responding to that from the religious community and the golf community. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's... I'm going to be talking about it on Swing Thoughts. We record now on Wednesdays. It'll be out this Friday. And I'm going to bring, I I, I want to bring it up. My friend Tim's a pretty religious guy, but it's just, I don't, I don't know why. I find athletes that lean into that less appealing to me. I know because it's sort of creepy from your perspective. I get it. Um, No, but uh, Last night, for example, there's a pitcher, a relief pitcher for the Blue Jays named Adam Sim- Adam Simber. And Hazel May, who does pregame interviews, uh, was interviewing him. And it was a great interview, right? And then uh, she said, oh, and by the way, congratulations for your child that was just born. And he just an offhand comment. Yeah, it's fantastic. I thank the Lord for giving me the child or however he said it. And it could have ended there. 
But then she said, oh, and the name is River. Where does that come from? And then it all became biblical. And I can't retell the story, but he's actually now reciting passages from the Bible about the river. And the more he's talking, the more uncomfortable I'm getting because I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, I really like this guy's work. And now he's to me, it's getting creepy now. Mm hmm. But the, in a situation like that, she opened that door and he walked through it. You know what I mean? It didn't have to go there. But again, she opened that door. But soon as she did, man, it was like, wow, that's the number one thing in his life. And again, the more it went on, the more uncomfortable I, uh, I became with it. And uh, so I know what you're talking about is is the point I'm trying to make. No, and, and last night. No, it's a great point, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're trying to make the same point as me. No, I mean it's well. I get it, um, and I and I sometimes feel like I don't like to belabor it, especially with mm-hmm. Dan. Dan and I have been having this conversation for forty plus years. Dan's father, actually, who was a reverend, I, I used to have great conversations with him because I've always been fascinated by religion, which is why I've come to this conclusion. But it was part of a journey of like, wow, I think this stuff is bogus, but maybe I should talk to a guy that does it for a living. Mm-hmm. Um. I knew some. I knew this kid. I've been watching him for a couple of years. Again, I know I'm a super nerd, but I mm-hmm. I, I watched the uh, NCAA men's collegiate uh, whatever finals. So I I've seen this John Rom, this Scotty Scheffler, Morikawa. These are some of the superstars of the sport. But I I watched them in the equivalent of the WHL, mm-hmm. and I didn't know he was religious. But earlier in the week, I I heard somebody refer to him having married his high school sweetheart. I went, hmm. Interesting. Married your high school sweetheart and you're 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Something about that told me like, yeah, okay, well, there's got to be religion involved because not a lot of 25-year-olds nowadays, mm-hmm. A, are married, B, to their high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of an old, he's from Texas. It's an older-fashioned kind mm-hmm. of thing. And sure enough, they're all, you know, super thumpers. And again, not that there's anything wrong with it, and he's not pushy about it, you know, but I was looking around for that audio I played you a couple days ago Mm -hmm. of the uh, representative talking about Jesus, guns, and babies, and that's what it is. It's all part of the same soup, you know? Excuse me, on the Fox website this morning, they've got on the right-hand side something this weekend about Easter, and it features Joel Olstein, one of the creepiest fuckers Mm -hmm. on the planet, Mm-hmm. Joel Olstein, who has grifted those simple people out of so much money, mm-hmm. of course he's associated with well, Fox. Howard, I the uh, one of my walks the other day, I listened to John Stewart with Howard Stern, and they get on to Trump. Not for a long time, but you know, John Stewart made that point. Isn't it weird that one of the world's greatest liars? is adored by evangelicals yeah and he just that connection he said it it just it doesn't add up and all the things that he has stood for and all the things that he has said how is he their poster boy three times divorced all that stuff yeah yes but the, the, the the thing is what he represents is the evil within them that they as bible thumpers don't want to sort of say themselves well, I think I think you're right, but I think it's also mm-hmm. he hates what they hate, or he seems to. You know what I mean? Yes, 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 right. But he's sort of their spokesman, 
He'll, he says what they feel, but they would never say. All of that's true, whether they say it or not. But I, I've seen, mm-hmm. again, I've recently seen some people at the Trump rally talking about how he is the man chosen by God to lead mm-hmm. the, to lead them. So that's why, again, I, I have nothing against this kid as a as a professional athlete. He's amazing. But let me ask you, like, if you know Matthews, superstar of your hockey team, you know, would feel a little bit differently if. You know, part of his thing was to give praise on high every time something amazing happened. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, But as I say, this Adam Simber guy who came last year and just been sensational for the Jays, he just had he's been great in a relief uh, role. And when it started to roll out last night, I, I, get, I get it. I know the feeling. I, it's just we, we don't really need to hear this. We don't. All right. Uh, I'll would, tell you. they allow a, a, an athlete to go on and talk about an incident and claim, you know, that religion is, you know, evil and creates a lot of strife in the world? Great question. Would they? Would they? Would it also be cool if Scotty Scheffler at the Masters post game uh, uh, press conference said, you know, I'm really into Scientology and I want to give praise to L. Ron Hubbard yeah. uh, for Dianetics? It uh, really yeah. made a difference between me and my child right. bride. You know, I, you know, how would that land? Uh, let's uh, switch gears again. This is the show is just going back and forth. Let's talk to our. Hang on a second. Let me get a. I, I was going to play the uh, Sherpa theme, but first let me introduce one of the uh, friends of this program who has uh, recently had a milestone. I don't know where this stands in the pantheon of uh, golf uh, for the Sherpa, but please welcome Shooter. Sherpa McShooter. There he is. Look at him. Can you say hi to the folks, or are you still able to speak? <laughs> I can. It was an out-of-body experience, but an enjoyable one nonetheless. Um, well, before we play... Here's the thing. Before we play the Sherpa theme, which will be the sign that we're going to move on to the real business, I gave friend... Friend. I gave friend... A hint yesterday at uh, this score you shot. You, you've been, you and I have been corresponding. First of all, talk us through what was going on, and then maybe reveal at the end what the number was. Well, uh, as you know, we were in Alabama last week on the Robert Chen- Trent Jones Trail. Highly recommended. Uh, played with our buddy Gord Crowther and a couple of Florida guys, and uh, he wanted to play the Whites, and it was cart path only, and it was a tough course, and it was long, and I got beat up. So I hit rock bottom, and then I got back uh, back home, and uh, anyhow, just I just felt good, and I, I had less fear and you know positive expectations. I thought I'd give that a try, and um, it worked. Now, did you know during that round that you were? playing well or did you have a feeling like hey this is cool i'm you know five or six holes into the day uh, still pretty close to par or whatever did did you have an idea or did it just sort of pass by without you noticing oh no there was no sting in the moment howard (laughs) i definitely knew what was going uh was going on there the the very first hole uh I, i got up and down out of the bunker and so that was a real nice way to start the the round so it just it just made the mindset a little bit you know golf my god in case you didn't know Mm. your mindset is so freaking huge right whether you're gonna hit a good shot or not so what was it like down the stretch like so again i think howard sort of asked this 
At what point does it become part of the mindset that hey, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm putting together a pretty good round here, so each hole becomes that much more nerve wracking to maintain it. Yeah, thankfully, you, didn't, you know, Fred, because I was doing so well. Uh, we do shotgun starts because it's busy. I started on 10. Mm. Uh, back nine's easier in the front, got to the front, birdied five, which is our 14th hole, which is one of the toughest holes in the course. So that really gave me lots of leeway to kind of goof up coming in, right? So I never was like gripping the club uh, after that as a result. Okay, well, legitimately, that's cool. I, I, it's funny, but again, a shotgun start for people who aren't golfers means just that you don't necessarily start in the first hole. I'll tell you, it's years ago, I found that because I'd never played a bunch, you know, at our men's night, we often start on different holes on the golf course. And I noticed that sometimes when I didn't start on one or 10, that I didn't know where I was, I couldn't keep track of it as well. But you certainly knew with three or four holes to go that, first of all, I'm, we're going to reveal the score in a second, but was this score your best ever or just one of your best in a long time? Uh, definitely the best in a long time. I think the lowest down here. Okay. Uh, forever ago, I shot uh, four less than the score you're about to hear at Glen Cairn. Did you really? Uh, uh, yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Good but that was you. a long time ago, man. But, you know, it's so great because I, I know it's only one round, but again, expectations, right? So it does confirm to me I can do it. It sure. confirms to me it's possible and all that good stuff. So, but to answer my question, did you know with a couple holes to go that this was score was on the horizon? Horizon there, or oh did you? yeah, for sure. I, I knew I could bogey in uh, the last three holes and and still break eighty. And um, I, I made one really kind of out of the moment swing on the seventh tee, sixteenth hole. But that was about it. I, I never really mm-hmm. uh, had a real brain. You know what? Um, you can say way, fart so on the show too. too. <laughs> well, and considering what you shot, and you know the way casual golf is if that's what we're going to call it it would be very easy to get nervous and have one blow up hole and and blow that first number obviously and and we're talking like no foot wedges no mulligans no nothing no because we play a game most Mm -hmm. days of the week it's only 10 bucks but it's 10 u.s dollars so i say i've got 30 percent more pressure on me than the rest of the guys uh do but uh, no it's uh almost put everything out but yeah no there was nothing in fact frankly there were five that didn't go in that could have definitely gone in so all right wow good all right let's get to it and now we reveal the score that our good friend the retirement sherpa threw at his group the other day and that number was well, thanks to few, if any, two chips and three putts uh, for our decade pals. Uh, 78. 78. Mm-hmm. Look at that, 39, Frederick. 39, 39. That's not what I wanted. That's, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. It, it was fun. It was fun. Have you seen the Yeah. Uh, no, I was supposed to yesterday. Lorna had a little minor operation. She's all good. Um, so I, I got to be a good husband uh, yesterday and said, which is fine uh, for all the normal reasons. Um, plus, I can kind of, you know, bathe in the success for a couple more days. Right. Yeah, that's right. You don't yeah, want to. That, that would be the, that would be the thing with me. I never want to go. <laughs> so you don't want to screw it up with the round after your best round in a long time. Well, listen, man, congratulations. I'm thrilled for you. And and uh, I can't wait to for you and I to geek out. And uh, when, when you and I do the deep dive, I'm going to go over some shots. What was where was your head at? 
I wanted to talk to you about how, isn't it funny how you have a round like that and you said about it, it, it shows you what's possible, but it also shows you kind of how easy it is to do when you're not having, as Fred said, blow up holes or, you know, chaos. When Here's the thing about golf. If you can keep the chaos to a minimum, the scoring kind of takes care of itself. Right. And Did obviously, you, want- you didn't hit into, into, into any other groups or anything like that. Nice <laughs> That's right. Oh, it's nice when you have a round and you don't hit into other groups. Yeah. Yeah. Trying, you know, because Tim's respectful. He respects the guy. Um, having uh, someone like Tim help with the chaos of investing mm-hmm. is the segue I'm throwing out there. He's the retirement Sherpa, Tim. Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca, right? That's me. Yeah, I've said it so many times. Sometimes I just thought, was that right? Uh, what are we going to talk about today, my friend? Well, I just thought to be a little timely with uh, probably people scrambling to get their uh, taxes done. Of course, many have, uh, but a couple weeks ago to the deadline and, and just wanted to highlight a few things uh, more in retirement that people should really be looking at. And the, the genesis to this, I like to work the word genesis into a sentence whenever I can. Nice. Um, we was speaking with some clients last week, and, and they're sharp, and, and they're listeners, and uh, clients for a long time, awesome people, and they were using a, you know, kind of a freebie online resource to file their taxes, but it wasn't figuring out their income splitting anywhere near properly, and it could have cost some thousands and thousands of dollars. Really? That much? Yeah, absolutely right. So I, I think, Fred, it was our pals in the conservative government forever ago that uh, created the income splitting in retirement, right? You can uh, mm-hmm. split the income between spouses. I mm-hmm. mean, that and the TFSA are two of the most progressive things that governments have done for us for a long time in, in the financial uh, area, for sure. So, uh, you know, in the, in the good old days, you used to have a couple and one would be more likely to stay at home and, and one would be more likely to make more money and you really have to balance things out between their investments in the accumulation phase. And and we still do that now, but it's less important because you can split it. But I mean, to oversimplify, if you're getting 80000 in retirement income for one person and forty for the other, uh, they're going to pay a heck of a lot more than if it was sixty for each of them, right? So you, you want to accumulate, right? But you definitely want to fill out your tax return in the next couple of weeks, right, to align uh, profitably with the, the tax laws. Well, and I can attest to that because we do it on some level right now since Delise retired, and I'll tell you, it makes a big difference. I mean, at the end of the year, I mean, month to month, it makes a difference. It's huge, right? I remember forever ago just doing it for a, a couple mm-hmm. with um, their OAS or CPP, whichever one or both it was, and, and they weren't splitting that even, and, and that's not as big as what a lot of people get out of rifts or from pensions and mm-hmm. all. So, yeah, it can be, hey, listen, we, we'd much rather understandably have it in our pocket, right? Yeah, and and again, the things that Tim's talking about, these aren't like, you know, sneaky tax uh, avoidance scams. They're just there. I mean, TFSAs, you talk about it all the time with good reason. And, you know, my ex-wife, uh, Randy, and I we split incomes. We had a company together. But, you know, I just want to get back to the point, and I, maybe I misheard, or but is the idea you invest in, in, in you will try to invest equally so you can take it out equally. Is that mm-hmm. that's really what you're saying? 
Right. And again, even if you didn't, there's ways around it, proper ways, as you mentioned. Uh, but sure, I mean, if you remember, like, spousal RSPs, that yes. would be one of the reasons people would use those, because a higher wage earner could get the deduction, mm-hmm. and then they would keep their, their pot, so to speak, as as close as possible in accumulation. And, and speaking of, you know, you scamming, you, you say here, watch out for DYI. DIY, I guess DIY. Yeah, do, do it yourself. So do that yourself. was the one I was mentioning. So, like, RIF income can be split between spouses. Pensions, certainly CPP, OAS. Uh, lifts, uh, that's from a locked-in account that's from a, a work one. Um, so what you want to do is, is just make sure, you just don't trust the computer or or even you know if you have a a prepare the odds are 99 percent right they're good but i mean just intuitively just make Mm -hmm. sure that the two of your incomes are as close as Mm -hmm. as possible taxable incomes especially if you've got riffs or or, uh, right yeah any complexity to i've never understood it if there's any complexity to your return why you would try and do it yourself on a computer for just a, a little more of an investment let people who really know what they're doing do it it just yeah absolutely i mean of course as a professional i'd be biased uh, towards that uh, for sure but yeah it, it, it's an investment not an expense right friend mm-hmm. i mean you miss one thing that'll more than pay for uh exactly. for the fees and and all that and uh, you know even if you wanted to to kind of watch your cost at least every couple of years get somebody to do it if the the next mm-hmm. year's the same then you could probably figure it out but yeah it, it, it's money well spent for sure to get it done right and uh as is engaging the retirement sherpa get him on your side and you know keep money in your pocket Money can grow in many different ways, and one of the ways it grows is by conserving it, kind of like a golf score. It's not the birdies you make, it's the double bogeys and others you don't make. And therefore, we've tied the whole thing together. We have no three-putt portfolios available for our clients. That's right. Absolutely. Try and hey, keep play, your... play less more often. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Save less more often. Or save more more often. Anyway, Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. Kind of got caught up in the uh, analogy stream there. Tim, thanks very much for today. And I... Uh, thanks, pal. We'll get together. I've sent your people a bunch of uh, dates, and maybe we can chat uh, sooner than later, okay? Yeah, pleasure as always. Looking forward to it. All right, my friend. And Fred yeah. brought me luck during the round, too. He called me on something. So, uh, this is what I heard. Know, that helped keep my mindset in the successful uh, yeah. mode. How far, how far into it were you? Because you said to me, you said, hey, I'm right in the middle of a pretty good round right now. I was just about to tee off on the aforementioned fifth hole or 14th one, uh, hard hole carry, and I birdied it. So I think you were the linchpin to the whole uh, Wow. Why don't you get maybe one, like a Fred's rabbit foot type of thing you just rub? (laughs) Why don't I move in with you down in Florida next week? Yes. Mm -hmm. Or maybe when you get that thing lanced off your ankle, you could put it in a locket for... <laughs> For Tim to carry around in his golf bag. All right, I gotta go. Listen, Niblet, you're a good boy. Tim Niblet, Raymond James. Uh, thanks as always, guys. Hello, Dan. Have a great Dan. day. Dan, goddamn, Dan's here now. Mm-hmm. You should get Dan to tell you who. You... <laughs> tell you who you don't want to get in your taxes done. You don't want Dan to help you. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not as... Anyway. Anyway. Silence. 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 Moving on. Moving on. Hang on, everybody. It's time for this. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Dan DeRue is here. Well, I guess we'll do some emails tomorrow. A couple of things I wanted to mention to you, too. I thought you'd enjoy. I watched this Tony Hawk documentary. Really liked it. It's on Crave right now. If you guys know who Tony Hawk is, he's a skateboarder. Is he a skateboarder? Yeah, and and I didn't yeah. know if I, I I knew who he was. I just didn't know anything about him. And it's a fascinating story, him and his father, and, and how he went from sort of at one point, you know, when skateboarding sort of lost its popularity, he was literally living in almost poverty and didn't we had to borrow money. And then a few years later, when the internet caught in, caught on in terms of you know a lot of video game sharing and his he was getting these video game checks for like 20 million he's worth 140 million uh-huh. the other one i was going to recommend to you too that i started i watched over the last couple nights it's about a guy in britain i'd never heard of but a lot of people know who he is rachel knew who he was a guy named jimmy savile you ever heard that name no savile row i've heard it yeah he was one of the most popular uh, presenters on radio and television in history there. He had a show for years called Top of the Pops. He had oh, yeah. another show called Jimmy Will Fix It. And he was a real odd character. And just like Cosby, I mean, he raised money. He was friends with Prince Charles. And, oh. and he was part of that whole British elite. And it turns out, and never married, always a bit creepy with girls. And it turns out after he died... Uh, in 2011 so it was kind of the early stages of you know people being able to sort of come forward four or five hundred young men and women over the course of his lifetime that he abused Uh and the documentary is called jimmy savile uh, story of a british monster or something anyways it's only two hours or two and a half hours or two episodes worth it's very interesting and i i was sort of disturbing but just amazing, you know, how a guy could be that sort of popular in a country and they'd have, and no one wanted to come forward. People had heard rumors, but that was sort of back in the day where you didn't really, you know, I didn't talk about stuff like this. It was very, very well done. And he, well, that would be a tough one for me to, to watch. I don't know. It doesn't sound like something I'd want to. Oh, it's not light viewing. Into, you know? Yeah, it's not light viewing, Dan. What yeah. were you going to say, Freddie? No, and those bastards, they knew that their power. Well, I don't know that help help keep things on the QT. Well, part of it was the culture of the time, you know, Mm -hmm. the police department was friends with him, you know, and and part of the dichotomy of the guys, he raised something like 40 million pounds for different hospitals and different Mm -hmm. charities. Right. And he was the hero. I mean, he was the hero. So he did some good. But it turns out he did that because he was Catholic. Again, I don't want to bring religion into this, but this is part of the narrative. Is He was very deeply religious, Catholic. And so in his mind, in order to go to heaven, he knew he was doing all these bad things, that he did all these charitable things because he felt so guilty. And he thought, he, and he's, you can hear him on camera in some documentary saying, you know, I hope when you get to St. Peter's, 
gates, he'll remember that I did all these good things. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, nice. No, exactly. A nice guy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Duran, are you uh, emotionally ready to do the news today? <laughs> yeah, an emotional I'm, I'm ready. I have to turn my camera we can do off. This. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. you know. Anyway, yeah. I just I say because I know where you we, you know you're looking for something to look to to view. It, it certainly is interesting and and again fa- I'd never heard of the guy, but he was one of the most popular figures in uh, <laughs> in Britain. Well, no, here's, pardon me, Dan. Oh, so well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, watch a little bit. Well, of it I know you're. Get into it, yeah. Yeah, I like a good documentary. Yeah, I do do like that. And then this is your busy good time of year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now for the last couple of weeks, live from his uh, winter lakeside home with Humble and Fred News, here is the angel that is known on Earth as Dan Duran. It's time for some space news. Space news. That's space a special stuff. effect there. Space news. Space news. Last week, SpaceX took some multimillionaires to space for uh, a rumored fee of fifty-five million bucks each, and they were chaperoned to space by a real astronaut right into the space station, where they aren't allowed to tour the Russian section, unless the Russians say it's okay. But mm-hmm. That's off ground, off uh, off limits. Stay out of the the Russian section of the ISS. Mm-hmm. Anyway, meanwhile, Hubble has discovered the largest comet ever seen. It's eighty miles across, kind of like a planet killer. However, there's apparently no danger of it hitting Earth anytime soon. So there's that. Uh, but the thing we should worry about, sorta, is that there's a, a big plasma storm from the sun heading our way. It, uh, it'll arrive tomorrow, somewhere around noon or somewhere in the early afternoon. A uh, coronal mass ejection, a CME, uh, explosive balls of solar material, was pushed out uh, from the sun and uh, it was released on Monday. And a minor G1 or G2 geomagnetic storm could be happening tomorrow. Mm. Uh Minor impacts would be on satellite operations and weak fluctuations in the power grid, according to spaceweather.com. And the uh, aurora borealis may be more visible from our uh, level, kind of down to Michigan, Maine, Toronto, or, you know, Ontario, lower half of Ontario kind of going across. If we could see the sky at night with the, uh, with the rain in the forecast, I don't think it's, it's going to be happening. By the way, I, I looked up and I was wondering, you know, because you hear about geomagnetic storms doing an, an, an immense amount of damage to our Yes, you heard about this all the time. Yes. All the time, yes. Mm-hmm. The Clarington event, as it's called, <laughs> the most intense geomagnetic, uh, geomagnetic storm ever recorded was uh, like 150 years ago, uh, like in 1859 during a solar cycle. It was. Uh, that, you were creative. working in. weren't you working in uh, Lloyd Minster? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was at Lloyd Minster, yeah. Yeah, that was it, 159 uh, years ago. You were doing yeah. weekends in Lloyd Minster. Sparked fires in uh, multiple telegraph stations in the day because of it. 
I've, and if uh, ever one of those happened here, it would, it would blow up our electronics and, uh, you know, internet. It would be kind of a weird uh, time. Can we go back to the space station? Because you lost yeah. me with the geometric storms. <laughs> You so did. I lost you. No, it's just because it's very technical, and you know my mind gets. Uh, I get. Well, yeah. I get nervous. But back to the space station. So I read the story. They spent these guys spent fifty five million, and I understand that they they got a ride to there on SpaceX, and, and that makes sense to me. But how do they get to book into the uh-huh. ISS like it's a fucking Airbnb? Like how? Because yeah. somebody at a at a. a a government level had to allow them to do that. I mean, because that's not an Elon Musk call or whoever owns it. Is it SpaceX Elon Musk? Yes. Okay. So I get that he could he can sell rides on his rocket all he wants, but how does he get to allow to book into the... And if you do book it like yeah. an Airbnb, do you have to put like, you know, how many days you're going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that a, a private thing like that could Well, that's what I'm a, saying. Yeah, a government thing, and, you know, just in case something went wrong or something, you know, something, something. All right. Well, uh, there has been uh, tourism uh, from the Russian end of things because they own uh. part of the station as well, right? So you may have heard of uh, guys going up there uh, paying millions. Sure. And also, uh, I think there was a film crew that went up there just, to, you know, like, like uh, in the right. in the fall uh, to shoot a movie up there from also So there's Russia. a way to do it. You're saying it, there's it's a way a to do it. Okay. But also, but also, NASA has always been very uh, standoffish about doing that. Sure, so this is the first time that NASA right. has allowed it. And mm-hmm. there's a, a space tourism company. I think it's called Axiom mm-hmm. that that uh, books it for you. So they do the negotiations mm-hmm. and they take a cut, and uh, then they they well, buy passage on Elon Musk's yeah. thing. It's like a, they're a travel agents. Okay, I yeah, get of it. course, everyone takes a cut. As Howard said, it's like an Airbnb, but the fucking cleaning fees are crazy. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I, I love crazy, and I love the note. Okay, you can book it, but you can't go to the Russian section. Oh, okay. Yeah. If I can leave that alone. Mm-hmm. Like I just this Airbnb that Ray, uh, Rachel and I had in uh, Venice and Santa Monica there, you know, there were some there's always like a door or two where you're not it's locked. You can't get into it. It's where they keep their personal stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. the space station. That's OK. The Russians yeah. are over there. Yeah. Don't get them fuck around with them. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, Dan, uh, is that it? I did want to uh, touch on uh, one other item. Please do. Cutting cable. Isn't uh, isn't really saving people money anymore? You know, only people who are getting rid of their cable services. Mm-hmm. Amazon announced that their Amazon Prime monthly fee will be going up two bucks. Maybe it's even happened now uh, to nine ninety nine a month. Now it's been where it was for uh, since two thousand thirteen, but with tax now that that uh, charges eleven twenty nine to get Amazon mm. Prime. Uh-oh. And that's uh, in addition to what Netflix did. They they raised their uh, yep. their fee by a buck fifty. So for for that fee, it's like it's eighteen sixty three with tax in Canada. And then there's Spotify and Apple Plus and Disney Plus and Crave, and some mm-hmm. people are getting onto Paramount now. Yeah. You add all those up, it's about eighty five buck. Yeah, and that doesn't include network television and, you know. You no, that's that. not any of that. I know. Although, quickly, and I don't know the details, but it's a, th- a sign of things to come. City TV, Rogers, it's hooked up with Amazon, and a lot of Rogers programming is going to end up on Amazon. What the benefit to that is, I'm not sure, but it's the direct result of cable cutting, and they figure if they jump in 
you know, on board with some of these streamers, it will be better for them in the long run. Again, I that's not the full explanation, but look for that to start happening more and more. Okay. Yeah, I just uh, read about that, and I think that mm-hmm. there uh, there's a there's a free part of uh, City uh, that's that you can mm-hmm. access if you have a Prime membership, but there's an add on I think for five five ninety nine or something like that to get more. Uh, more programming and on demand. I just have a question. What channel will I get to watch the geothermal sun splash? Oh, I see. <laughs> see what you're doing. No, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I'm trying to wrap up so we can get to some Gilbert Godfrey. But no, I just want to know, right. do I stream the geometrical thermal sunspots? You can, uh, I'm sure you can go to NASA or spaceweather.com and you can get some okay. uh, interesting shots of the sun, you know. Okay. But but where do the astronauts go poo poo? <laughs> what we want to know. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's what we want to know. Yeah, what is that? When you yeah. go to the ISS, do you poo poo in the Russian toilets? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm so glad that's, he did that. That's so the depth glad. of it for us, Dan. Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad he did that. Because I wrote something down last night. Now, granted, I wrote it down when I was stoned. I'm admitting it, but I wrote this down and I thought about our show and I was thinking about some of the things we laugh at and I was making my some of the stuff that comes up on the show with Dan and you and I and just how we get to fuck around every day for a living and in our 60s and you know, I was with a bunch of guys yesterday that play golf and they're all older than me, but and they're retired for the most part, but I had this I had this notion. I thought some days I feel too immature to be this old. Like, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like we laugh at all this nonsense, but I'm like I look in the mirror, I'm like, "Holy <laughs> fuck, you're like a 62-year-old man." But uh-huh. yet I I still feel pretty immature. You know, you make me laugh poopy pee-pee. I'm talking about sunspots and shit like uh-huh. I just do. I feel I can't be this immature and be old at the same time. Uh-huh. You better take no, some I courses. Get it, but it keeps you young. I should take some courses, Dan. Yeah, some maturing courses, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think you know what? I, th- I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, I've read things from, you know, where it says that most people f- sort of still feel inside their brain like they're in their late 20s, no matter how old you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always thought that older people, they, they knew something. You know, I always thought, well, okay, by the time you're that age, I guess you don't care about these things and that things. But it turns out then we're all we're always the same. You know, if you're 65 or 85, you're still like, oh, why is that guy doing that thing? Well, well the way, and the way okay. we think, it's like I often have the same thoughts. If I didn't have this outlet, where would all these thoughts and opinions, where would they manifest? Where would they, where would they... The lease would be gone by now, right? No, I, of course you'd be at your dinner parties telling you. Anyway, what about oh, this? Oh, yeah, right. What about this liberal government? <laughs> no, but just think about that. I just think about it every day. Like, you know, they'd be all, you know, inside, just dying to get out. Um, okay. I but, I, well, I want to explore that further, but I got to get going here in a second. And uh, I want to play this uh, Gilbert Gottfried. So I'm at the Improv in Los Angeles. I'm there as a guest of my friend Rick and his wife Susie, who I knew from Canada. You didn't know them, Dan, but they're originally from uh, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. And I'm there, and uh, Gilbert Gottfried's on stage, and it's an amazing night for me as a stand-up comic scene guy that I admire. And after the show, there's a bunch of people, like, mingling. They're doing, like, you know, cocktails and such. And I was standing next to Susie talking to her, and all of a sudden... The guy that's on TV from Moonlighting is pushing his finger into my chest going, what are you doing? 
What are you trying to pick up my friend's wife? And she's like, no, Bruce. No, that's our friend Howard from Canada. And that was Bruce Willis. And I was like, this is kind of... I'm, wow. like, I'm like, this is a pretty fucking weird scene right now. I'm in L.A. at the Improv. I've watched Gilbert Gottfried. I'm, Bud Friedman's over here. And the guy from Moonlighting is accusing me of trying to pick up his friend's wife. And I'm like... Yeah, I guess I'm not in Moose Jaw anymore. Hmm. So that was uh, my little Bruce Willis, Gilbert Godfrey story. And of course, uh, famously, three weeks after 9-11, for some reason, they went ahead with the roast of Hugh Hefner. And everyone was there. You know, all the famous comedians. I think even Kimmel was on the, the panel there or whatever. And famously, Gilbert gets up there. He does four or five minutes. He's really funny. And then he does a 9-11 joke. And the joke basically is I, I'm, my flight, I'm catching a flight to L.A. It's coming back uh, via the Empire State Building. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and what happens in the audience is they all even, because he's done really well to that point, but that joke, and you can even hear it on the, it's a famous tape where somebody yells, too soon, too soon. And they almost start to boo him. Now, I don't know if he had planned to do this, but as they say in the documentary, at that point, three weeks after 9-11, it wasn't, the audience wasn't sure what they were and weren't supposed to be able to laugh at anymore. And at that point in his, in his time on stage at this roast, he makes a decision to tell this joke. They said they had to stop at the Empire State Building first. Okay. A man, a, tra- a, a talent agent is sitting in his office. A family walks in, man, woman, their two kids and their little dog. Their talent agent goes, what kind of an act do you do? The father starts fucking his wife. The wife starts jerking off the son. The son starts going down on the sister. The sister starts fingering the dog's asshole. And the son starts blowing his father. You want me to start at the beginning? <laughs> if you missed any portion, I'll repeat it. It was this weird buzz that came. And you could see the guys up on the day. And the daughter starts licking out the father's asshole. Then the father shits on the floor. The mother shits on the floor. The dog pisses and shits on the floor. They all jump down into the shit and piss and come. And they start fucking and sucking each other. And then they take a bow. And the talent agent says... You're ready. They might have to clean this up for TV. <laughs> I was laughing because he just was going so big with it. Where was I? Oh, yes. The son is licking out his father's asshole. I almost died. They fucking suck each other and they take a bow. And the talent agent... Did you miss any portion of this? The talent says, well, that's an interesting act, which is kind of an understatement. Focused it. Did it. He clearly had impressed a lot of people in the room. Now! He pulled this thing out and did it so well and with such fearlessness. I hate to end this on a really sentimental note. There was a sound in the audience that you really knew. He says, now, what do you call yourself? And they go, the aristocrats! (laughs) 
So if you've never seen that, you can see a part of that was edited from the documentary. But if you've never seen it, it really is something. It's the history of that joke, and it's been around forever. And uh, he that they they claim that was one of the best tellings of it. But uh, you know, that's one of those things where the raw the most people would hear that and just be like disgusted by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I I would I don't know I would never play that for Rachel. No, yeah, I wouldn't either. Delise wouldn't get that at all. Not that Rachel wouldn't understand from a comedic point of view, like why it, but this is not, it wouldn't land for everyone. And I was thinking while we were listening to it, watching your two faces, why does it land? Like, why do I just think that's hilarious? Um, why do you, you think it's hilarious? It, you got to put it in perspective. Yeah. And what it is. You know what I mean? It's not. I don't know. It's hard to describe. You just got to loosen up. <laughs> well, part of the problem with most people is you take it, you think about it on a literal sense. That right. None of That's that. It, I, yeah. yeah. None of that actually happens. It's just words right. and images. But I mean, for yes. me, it's, it gets back to what I said at the beginning of the show. When I, when I saw Gilbert Gottfried come out and start talking to the wall for a minute before he went into his act in front of all those people, I thought, man, that guy's got balls that I don't fucking have. I could never, I would be way too uptight to start improving before a, but, but that's part of it is he got up in front of all those people after, you know, the, the nine 11 joke doesn't land. And he does that joke. He does that joke after kind of starting to lose the room. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, it, it, the joke is a little bit of a meta thing too, because it's like you're you're looking at a joke that all the comedians know yes. and have heard of before, but it's more of a classic. This is what you can't do. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right. And and uh, but they do it anyway, and it's it's uh, well told by well, him. Obviously. Yeah, I'm one of the best told. Well, they, you know, you're right, Dan. That it's one of those things like. <laughs> That in itself is funny. That was well told, but <laughs> that's very well told. Um, you know, he had all, he had the right order there. Like who was looking whose asshole at what particular moment? <laughs> but it's because it's so offside that comics. The more offside, the the most heinous things that that you could imagine is what makes funny people laugh. Because normal stuff, you know, it's got to be a bit more, a little bit edgier. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, I don't know where that, how that would do now. But uh, anyway, the guy died, and there you go. There's a little bit of uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Um, tomorrow we will wrap up this week, uh, Dan Duran. Tomorrow on our program, of course, it's the Easter show. It is the big pre-Easter show. We look forward to having you join us again. Thanks to uh, Tim Niblett. Thanks to Mitch's area tripping the Bruce is his latest. Uh, Oh, you know what you call those videos. Uh, in the meantime, with uh, the closing announcements, here's <laughs> here's today's announcement monitor, Dan Durant. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, and Health Gauge. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember to listen tomorrow to find out more about what the sun has done to our planet. Like and subscribe. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?